are wrapping up our message series this week uh, called When People Collide. It's been all about conflict, and today we're going to talk about how God can use us, in fact, how God calls us to be advocates sometimes for others, to be able to help, not in an unhealthy way, not like triangling ourselves where we have no business, but sometimes you may be in a position where God can use you to help to resolve conflicts or to help folks who are, who are facing difficult situations. Maybe you've done this in your life. Uh, maybe you're like, yeah, I'm surrounded by conflicted people all the time, right? Like half the people I know are drama queens, you know? Maybe that's you. If so, I'm sorry. I know that's not an easy life. But maybe, maybe you work with folks who are always in conflict. Or you have folks in your family or your circle of friends. I believe that God can and will use us. And so I want to tell you the story today of a woman named Abigail. And Abigail is somebody uh, we don't talk about a lot in the Bible, but she played a role in a situation that would literally save lives and perhaps change the trajectory of the nation of Israel because she was an advocate. She was an advocate really ultimately for two people, for two guys, her husband, a guy named Nabal, who you probably don't know a lot about, and then another guy named David, who would soon be king. You've probably heard of him before. And so Abigail's going to step into a conflict, and God is going to use her advocacy to make a huge, huge impact. So David was on deck to be the next king. Saul had just died. David was not appointed king yet, but it would happen soon. And David has this army of 600 men uh, that he would go around with, and they would kind of do some patrolling, uh, some protecting of Israelites in a certain area. That's what he was doing at the time, uh, kind of a, a big security force, if you will. Okay? And so, so it was a good political move for David as the future king because everybody likes security and, and things need to be protected. And so that's kind of where we enter our story today. But David almost, almost wrecked so many things in his life when he almost made a bad, bad decision, and, Abig and Abigail stepped in. First Samuel 25, 2, a certain man in Maon who had property there at Carmel was very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and 3,000 sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. Imagine being that dude's neighbor, right? Like 4,000 herd animals. That's a lot of herd animals. Hopefully you're not neighbors with anybody like that. Otherwise, you probably would have moved by now, right? Because you're sick of all these sheep. But they, it introduces Nabal in an interesting way by telling us not his name first, but telling us his wealth first, because this was worth a lot of money, okay? So Nabal's a rich guy, and it introduces him in this way because it wants us to, under, uh, wants us to understand this is key in, in figuring out the relationship between he and David. His, wife, his name was Nabal. His wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, but her husband was surly and mean in all her doings. He was a Calebite, all right? So we got a little uh, Beauty and the Beast going on here, right? You know that these two, they don't really seem matched well. She's beautiful. She's intelligent. He's surly and, his mean, and is mean. What's up with this? How does such a great woman end up with this guy, right? Maybe it's like Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam sings, she couldn't find a better man, right? Maybe that's her, but probably not. Because in those days, marriages were actually arranged. 
You didn't get to pick who you married. Dad picked who you married. I'm sure there were many days she's like, thanks a lot, Dad. We could have done a lot better than this guy. He's surly and mean, right? Now, granted, he had money, but come on. That doesn't take care of all of life's problems. So this is her life. She's dealing with this guy. And I bet many of us have Nabals in our life. Maybe you work for him. Maybe your neighbors or your friends or whatever. And, and it's a struggle, isn't it? It's, it's difficult to be in relationship. And sometimes you may be tempted just to write them off. We do that well in our world, you know? We just we, we unfollow or we cancel or we say, you know, I just I don't need these people in my life anymore. And good boundaries are important. They certainly are. But God doesn't call us just to write off every person we don't like. It's not how it works. It's not really love. And oftentimes, like with Nabal, they may even be part of your family that you're connected with in that way. What if, what if there's a better way than just writing people off, casting them aside? After all, they're children of God. We ought to consider that. So Nabal is a rich guy, and he owes David a favor because David's been protecting his flocks in, in, in that area. And so the way that their economy would work is somebody like David would provide service, but then when it came payday for Nabal, which would be sheep shearing time, David would show up to receive some compensation for that, okay? And so David does that. Uh, he basically shows up and is like, hey, my guys, we've been out here playing Rambo for you, right? Making sure everything's safe and you're good. And I see it's sharing time. You've done well. Congratulations. So how about if my guys come over for dinner, you know? Me and 600 of the boys, we come over. And, you know, that would kind of help pay us for what we've done here. Seems reasonable. Verse 10. Nabal answered David's servants, Who's this David? Who's the son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat that I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to these men who are coming from who knows where? <laughs> Uh-oh. This is not going to go over. What, what do you mean, who's this son of Jesse? Remember that little story about Goliath, the big guy and this guy? right? Everybody knows who David is, and especially you, Nabal. He's like in your neighborhood. He's the one who makes it so you can sleep peacefully at night, not wondering if somebody's running off with your precious sheep, right? He's been protecting you all this time. How can you possibly insult him this way? You know, lots of servants are running away from their masters. Come on, man. You, you, know, you know who this guy is. Nabal is not a generous man. He's not even a smart man. I mean, he's not even a good businessman here. And it does not go over well with David. Verse 13, David said to his men, each of you strap on your sword. So they did. David strapped on his as well. About 400 men went up with David while 200 stayed with the supplies. Whew. This escalated quickly, don't you think? We went from a little conflict over dinner to now David is ready to go and kill. This is not David's most shining moment either. Okay, And this happens to us, right? Sometimes somebody makes us mad, 
and they say something that really ticks us off. And so what do we do? <laughs> We're going to say one thing higher, right? We're going to come back with an insult that's a little better than the one you just did me. Oh, yeah? Well, check this out. And we keep escalating, right? You've done this. You've been in this. Or at least you know people who have done these kind of things, right? We do this. It's easy to fall into this. Strap on your swords. Maybe you don't say that. But maybe you send a nasty email, or you put them on blast on social media, or you get angry and just yell at them. Or maybe your style's the opposite. Maybe you just push them out, give them the cold shoulder, treat them like they don't even exist anymore. God calls us to better than that. Things don't usually end well when we react emotionally instead of responding in wisdom. We're called to do better. And so, so basically what happens is that one of the servants says to Abigail, hey, Abigail, guess what? <laughs> I'm just going to summarize these few verses you got in there. You can read them. Basically, we got a problem. David, he's really mad because Nabal, your husband, remember, he's an idiot. You know, he, he kind of ticks people off. And so you got to do something about it, okay? He's being stupid. So Abigail acted quickly, verse 18. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five seahs of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, two hundred cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on her donkey. Then she told the servants, go ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. <laughs> She's a smart lady, isn't she? She knows Nabal's not going to approve this expenditure, right? So she goes and she, she creates the ultimate door dash, right? I mean, this will make you hungry just listening to this, you know? She loads up all of this food, and it's the complete opposite. Nabal, stingy, won't do anything. And, and Abigail, she goes over the top here to be generous, to be generous. So verse 20, as she came riding, on the on, came riding her donkey onto a mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending in towards her, and she met them. David had just said, it's been useless. All my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing, he's paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave one male in his, of all of those who belong to him. In other words, I'm going to kill this guy and his whole family, his whole workforce. They're all done. This is not good. This is the future king of Israel, for crying out loud. And he's going to go, uh, he's gonna go and, and knock off an Israelite and his whole family because he insulted him. Really? Is that, is that who you want to have as your king? David's about to make a mistake that's not only evil. It's going to be harmful to David, his reputation. He may not even be king after something like this. This is the kind of thing that wars start over. David's acting with foolishness. Just like Nabal was all about my stuff, my rights, my this, that, and the other, so is David. Ironically, they're two opposite sides of the same coin. It's all about me. It's not about lay me down so I can surrender to God. No, it's all about me. I've been hurt, I've been insulted, and now I'm going to go get what's mine. That's where David comes from. That he acts just like Nabal. Verse 23, 
When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. She took a posture of humility in contrast to all the arrogance all around her. She takes responsibility even though she did nothing wrong. Now we might say, well, time out, this doesn't seem fair, right? I mean, she's not the one who's going off and making the big stink here. But she takes her responsibility for as much as she can. And this is interesting because sometimes we want everything to be like a 50-50 balance, right? We want everything, like, I'll do my half and you do your half and it'll be good. And that seems logical, but the problem is it never seems like the other party does their 50%. It always feels like I'm pulling more weight than you are. We often feel this way. And maybe you're right. Perhaps you are. A few years ago, a book came out. It was called The 100-0 Principle. And it's a pretty basic concept. It said that in every relationship, you should assume that it is your job to give 100% your best in every relationship and assume the other person will give zero. Like, well, that doesn't sound fair at all, right? That's sometimes how life works. And we might remember a guy named Jesus who laid down his life for us while we were yet sinners. And it might change our mindset a little bit. What if Jesus was a 50-50 guy? I'll give up my life as soon as they're deserving of it. It's not going to happen then, is it? Abigail models this kind of love here. She speaks as a representative of her whole family. I mean, the fact is they've been threatened by Nabal's arrogance, and now they're going to be saved through Abigail's humility. Maybe you've been here. Uh, you, you've had to step in, and you've had to advocate for somebody. Here's what she says, verse 25. Please pay no attention, my lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He's just like his name. His name means fool, and folly goes with him. <laughs> she sees David's anger, and she validates it here, right? As for me, your servant, I did not see the men that my lord sent. Now, you can hear her frustration. It's valid. But notice she owns what she can. I didn't see those guys go. That's on me. Should have seen it. Maybe could have done something about it, but I didn't. You know, so many times we don't want to take responsibility because we'd rather kind of pass the buck to others. She does her best to take it and to be responsible for everything that she possibly can. You know, we, we can often be very individualistic in, in our thinking. It's kind of baked into our DNA. But the Bible tells us that we are the body of Christ that I'm like one part of this overall body of Christ. And so thus I have a responsibility, not just for my part, but, but for really the whole body. What's God calling me to do in this situation? How can I act in love, not arrogance? And in doing so, Abigail saves not just herself, but David as well. She does it in a very creative way. Verse 26, and now my Lord, as soon as the Lord your God lives and you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. She's the voice of wisdom here, right? She, she interestingly, David has not announced his decision. 
She says these words to the guy who's standing there angrily with a sword strapped on his side, right? And she says to him, you know, since the Lord has kept you from doing this. She's speaking prophetically. She's actually seeing the best in David. And that's a key thing with being an advocate for others. Do you see the best in them? Do you see what they could be? Not just the nastiness that they're at right now. Do you see what they could be? in your employees, in your children? Do you see what they could be? Because it's so easy to be overwhelmed with the negative you see in the moment. What if you saw the potential of what God could do and you saw it as actually your calling to help bring some of that good potential out? She puts it in perspective. She gives him a, a generous gift. It's a total contrast to David. It's completely the opposite of what David had been doing. Verse 7, Let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. Please follow your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battle and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. She speaks the truth. She speaks prophetically. David you're going to be king. This is not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Maybe there's conflicts in your life right now that just aren't worth it. Or maybe you're watching some friends who are stepping into something that's just not worth it. Is God calling you to speak the truth in love? Maybe to help them de-escalate. You can't go in and solve their problems. But maybe there's a true and loving word that you could say that, that might help. That might help. Verse 29, even though someone's pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in a bundle by the living God. Uh, sorry, a bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. Did you get that? Abigail, she's pretty smart. She references back to David's most notorious event, right? A little sling and Goliath, that whole deal, right? And she references that to remind him of the best that he can be. She doesn't say it in a mean or insulting way. She doesn't say, hey, giant slayer, look at you now, right? You look pretty pathetic here, ready to knock off Nabal, right? You know, you've really fallen off. No. She speaks prophetically. She speaks lovingly. The lives of your enemies he'll hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. God's always been there for you, David. He has, and he will as king. You ever had a person like this in your life? Somebody who loves you so much that they know how to call you out, but you still feel loved in the process. And that's a gift. Maybe you had a parent or a boss or somebody else who could do that for you, who could truly help to bring out the best of what God was creating in you. Maybe God's calling you to do that exact same thing for somebody else. Maybe God's put you in a position even to do that. The Bible calls it speaking the truth in love. So important. You've got to have both pieces. We speak the truth. We don't, we don't just water it down. 
We don't just tell people what they want to hear, say nice things that may not necessarily be true, avoid the hard things because oh, we're just not comfortable with that. No, we speak the truth, but we also do it in love. How many times do we go either or on that? I'll speak the truth, and it won't be pretty. Or else, I'll just be all nice and flowery and whatever, but I'll avoid telling you the hard thing that I also need to say. Speak the truth in love. That's what we're called to do. That's what Abigail does. She's like a, a velvet hammer here, you know? She delivers a heavy message, but she does it in a way that's so loving, so caring. David could have killed her in an instant. It's like a, a mouse speaking to a lion here. And yet, look at how she wins the day, speaking the truth in love. Proverbs 15.1, you should memorize this. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. How many messes in your life could be avoided if you spoke the truth in love? If you gave a gentle word, when spoken harshly to, if you responded in love, truth, but love. Imagine how different, how different things could be. She helps David to see an eternal perspective, a bigger perspective on what could be. And that day, David changed his mind and he turned around. Look at what he said, verse 33. He said, may you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you would have not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she brought him and said, go home in peace. I've heard your words and granted your request. So Abigail, she went home. And she went to go home and and tell Nabal what had happened, right? Like, hey, Nabal, you won't believe what I did today, right? But she goes home, she finds him. He's drunk, right? He's just been partying while his life was on the line. He's so unaware. The next morning, she wakes for, waits for him to sober up. She goes in, and she tells him what had happened. And get this, he is so terrified that he has a stroke and dies. Dies, yeah. Not good for Nabal, Right? That's, and I don't wish that on your enemies, but, you know, we get so wound up and so cranked up sometimes over stuff that has such little eternal significance. Abigail, well, her future was a little different. For the new king of Israel would remember her and would actually marry the widow Abigail. And she would now be queen of Israel. Now, that's not how every story ends. It's a little fairy tale. But the reality is, God calls you, God calls me, to step in to be an advocate. We talked about it last week in the sense of racism. How is God calling you to find your voice? Maybe for you today, that call is to stick around at 11 o'clock, be part of the conversation happened over there in room 120. Let God speak to you. Maybe, th maybe that's part of your call today. Maybe God's speaking to you about one of your kids, and there's just some truthful and loving things you need to say, and he's calling you to do that. 
Maybe you've either been avoiding it or maybe you've been mean about it. And you need to apologize, take a better approach. Maybe for others, it's with a parent. Maybe, uh, maybe you've got an elderly parent who needs somebody to be an advocate for them. And you need to step in and, and do that. Uh, maybe for others, it's a situation at work or at school where you see somebody being treated unfairly and you know, you know you've got the voice to do something about it, but you've been kind of just hanging back because you don't want to rock the boat and it's probably not worth the risk. Maybe God's calling you to step up and in love to speak some truth, to be an advocate. Maybe it's a person with fewer resources. God's calling you to do something. He's, he's given you the resources and he's calling you to do something. Do it. Say yes. Don't, don't want to be like Nabal, trying to hold on to everything. Let him use those resources for, for his glory. Whatever it may be, my prayer for us is that, that right now, that the Holy Spirit would be laying these people or situations on your heart. I'm guessing it's already happened even. Or maybe as I pray here in a moment, God will, will do that. And he'll show you what a next step is for you to where you can go and, and be like Abigail, somebody who advocates. And maybe it'll bring about little change. Maybe it'll bring about massive change. Maybe, maybe it'll bring about change that you never fully understand. If God's put you in a position and he's given you a voice, go and do it. Speak the truth in love. God, would you show us right now who that might be in our lives? how we can be different, how we can say yes to you and to your calling, how we can be an advocate for others who may not have a voice or whose voice may be tramped down by others. Lord, forgive us for the times where we are no different than Nabal or David. We're arrogant. We're mean. We don't listen. God, would you free us from that? Would you forgive us from that? And would you use us to be an advocate for your truth, your word, your way? God, you are so good. Thank you for giving us the ultimate example in Jesus Christ. Lord, we give all of these things to you, and we pray all of this in, in Jesus' holy name. Amen.